We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church located in Los Angeles, California. Everything we do at Shepherd is based around John 3.14 that teaches us to lift up the name of Jesus that the world might believe. We want to come alongside you in your journey with God and help you become stronger in your faith so you can better serve Jesus and share him with others. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford. And we join him right now with his message for us today. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Baptist minister, son of a Baptist minister. I want to make this very clear. He had his own flaws. People like to say, well, he was an immoral man. We're all immoral people. He had, he had his flaws. But he began to lead in boycotts and sit-ins and peaceful demonstrations. He gave speeches and sermons in New York, Chicago, New Orleans, Selma, Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama. He preached at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. He spoke in Greensboro, North Carolina, and of course, Washington, D.C. He was extremely charismatic. He was an orator. He was gifted. He was determined. And he was an imperfect vessel, but he was an imperfect vessel that was used by God. August 28, 1963, the largest march of its time up to that point, 250,000 people gathered in the mall in Washington, D.C. at the Lincoln Monument where he delivers his famous I Have a Dream speech. Five years later, on April 4, 1968, in a hotel balcony in Memphis, Tennessee, he was assassinated by one James Earl Ray. I see three major problems that exist. One is systemic racism. And you hear that a lot, and a lot of people use that. you got to be careful when you use that if you're not using it in a way to bring people together. But systemic racism is after 250 years of oppression. The racism and the prejudice that has existed in this country It is in the DNA. It's in the DNA of our country. Racism does not immediately disappear. There are lingering systems or degrees of racism that still exist in almost every arena of life in America today. The second problem is the failure of our nation as a nation to repent of the sins of our past. And I hear that all the time. But I got to tell you, I don't know how we're ever going to get our nation to ever repent from our past. All I can do with, with repentance is to deal with my own heart. And it begins with us, those of us that are here. 
Repentance is a word that means you have a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of direction. Repentance has to do with acknowledging that the way I have lived in the past is wrong. It has been sinful. And the word repent means I'm going to go a different direction. And I'm going to now start to live for God. And I do know this, that the United States of America as a whole is made up of individuals that all of us in this room must repent for the sins of our past and move towards the way God would have us to live. And number three, number three, probably the greatest problem is that there are still individuals today who practice racism and prejudice. Now, now the definition of racism, in case you do not know, is prejudices, discrimination, or antagonism directed towards someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. Now, I personally grew up in a Christian home. My parents taught me by their example and their words how to love people, how to serve people, how to serve all people. And when I was in the ninth grade, I was 15 years old, I decided to become a minister, and I went to high school in the 1970s. Now, the civil rights movement was in the 50s and the 60s. So now I'm in high school in the 1970s. And they had this thing, it was called forced integration. I didn't even know what that meant. And the forced integration is they brought all the African Americans from the inner city of Wichita, Kansas, from the ghetto. The blacks would get off the bus, they'd get together and start walking around. The whites would be walking around, we would meet, we would fight. I went to school every day with one goal, to not be, when they met, to not be there. (laughs) We had whites that were killed by blacks in my high school. They were forcing integration upon us. When I was in high school, after one of my basketball games, I was leaving the gym, and I had my gym bag, and I was walking out to my car by myself. And a group of black teenagers came at me and beat me half to death. They threw me on the ground of that parking lot. I remember grabbing my head, trying to protect myself. And they hit me and kicked me what seemed like hours to me. They eventually left, and I got up. I had welts and bruises all over my entire body. And they beat me up for one reason, because I was a white guy. And I was the guy they were picking on. I have experienced the aftermath and the overflow of the racial hatred that was in this country in the 50s and 60s, and it tried, it tried to suck me into its vortex. But God in heaven protected my heart. He protected my heart. I could have remained bitter. I could have let hatred and prejudice take root in my soul. I could have taken a path of revenge. Halfway through my sophomore year, I invited my classmate, my teammate. I had, a, I had a basketball friend. We were both six foot five. I was white and he was black, black, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> His name was Kelly Burton. And I invited Kelly to my church. And at the time, I didn't think anything about it. You know, I grew up in my dad's church. There were about 800 people, all white. I didn't know any difference. I'm 16 years old. I'm the preacher's kid. I brought my six-foot-five twin into that service. I I had no idea that Kelly would have been treated the way he was. 
I saw the looks. I saw the stares. I felt the what in the world is this black guy doing in this white church? What in the world is the preacher's kid doing now? And when I was 16 years of age and I experienced that, I knew I was going to become a pastor. I made a decision at that point that when I had my own church, it would be a multiracial, multi-ethnic church. So when you walked in here today and saw this church, this is not by accident. But I've been fighting for racial unity and multi-ethnic churches, attempting to be a bridge builder. Spent my entire life trying to build racial unity, yet our country in which I live is morally divided, it is politically divided, it is racially divided, and it literally breaks my heart what's going on in our country today. And some of you are being swept up right now in the vortex. You say, well, how do you know that? Because I read what you write on your Facebook post and your Instagram post. What you write and the way you write that does not bring people together but only divides this country further. You need a better understanding of the politics of this country where the extreme lefts of the world and the extreme rights of the world are trying to divide this country and some of you are falling for it. One day I came across this photo. I had never seen it before. Now you've got to remember this. When he spoke and gave this speech August 28, 1963, I was only five years old. I knew nothing. All that racial hatred, intent, I knew nothing. And I'm looking at that picture and I'm looking real close. Man, there's a white guy in that crowd. <laughs> and I saw another white dude. I could see him right there. I don't know why, I just assumed that that day on that speech, 250, I just assumed everybody in that whole crowd was black. I've seen other pictures close up, there white people through that whole audience. And I decided I was going to read the speech. I've never read the speech. Some of you have never read the speech. You need to read it. And the dead center of that speech, he starts talking about all the white people. And I love asking my black brothers, what did he say about the white people? They can't tell me because they haven't read the speech either. (laughs) Here's what he says. For many of our white brothers, as evidenced by their presence here today, have come to realize that their destiny is tied together with our destiny. They have come to realize that their freedom is inextricably bound to our freedom. And then he said these words, we cannot walk alone. Unlike the rhetoric and the vision today, pitting blacks against whites or whites against blacks or rich against poor, the poor against the rich or the Asians against Latinos, Martin Luther King Jr. attempted to bring people together. What did he say? What did he say? That the sons of slaves would be able to sit down with the sons of the slave owners and sit together as brothers. The little white children, little black children might be able to hold hands and sit together. He attempted to bring people together, not divide. 
And from those words, I started a ministry myself called Dream of Destiny. It's dreamofdestiny.com. It's not I have a dream, it's we have a dream. Trying to put churches and universities to help us to become racially diverse. I have some biblical advice. I'm not going to let you get out of here without some biblical advice. Because the government and politics are never going to resolve the disunity in our country because they're the ones that are causing it. And Hollywood, Hollywood and media not going to resolve the disunity in our country. They're the ones propelling it. I'll tell you who can solve the racial divide in this country. It's those of you who are here. You're the one. You all can solve all these nations' problems if you'll just follow biblical principles. And here's biblical principle number one. I hope you're writing this down. You need to stop grouping people into columns. Stop saying whites this, blacks this. When you stand before God, it's not going to be you and all the other people of your exact same skin color. When you stand before God, it's going to be just you. The Bible says in Galatians 3, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female in the eyes of God. In fact, if he were writing this today, he would have said neither black nor white. For you are all one in Christ Jesus, is what he would say. We live in a polarized country, and polarization leads to alienation. It goes against everything written in God's Word. It goes against the heart of God. Jesus himself prayed, Father, may they be one as you and I are one. Last time I checked, Jesus and God were pretty tight. I showed you last Sunday a picture of me and my grandson. I want to show you another picture of my grandson. Now, you know me, you know my grandson. Well, who's that other guy? That's Marcellus. Marcellus goes to church here sometimes. Now, who's that Marcellus fellow? Well, Marcellus' son, Ian, married my daughter, Kayla. That's where that grandbaby came from. Jace has as much me in him as he's got Marcellus in him. And every time you say something like the whites this, the blacks this, what do you think that's doing to my grandson's mind and his heart? You're just trying to mess with him. You're trying to mess with my grandson. You better stop it. I guarantee you this. I guarantee you this. That grandson of mine is going to grow up. He's not going to know racism. He's not going to know prejudices. He's going to grow up with a loving heart. We had, we had him here. He was, looking at the, he was looking at Marcellus. He was looking at me. He didn't care. If that boy grows up and learns racism or prejudices, he's going to learn it from you. He's not going to learn it from me. Dr. Martin Luther King said these words, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I want to ask you a question, be honest. How many of you want to be raised in a country where you're judged not by the color of your skin, but by the content of your character? If if you want that, raise your hand. Okay. Okay. Well, every time you say those black people, or every time you say those white people, or those Latinos, you are judging people by the color of their skin. And you are revealing the content of your character. 
when you say things like that. Number two, you need to follow the way of Christ. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. And then he said this, so you must. When you think about how Jesus died for you, what he did for you, the fact that he gave up his life for you, that he suffered for you, he bled for you, he left heaven and came to earth for you, he became poor for you, he was beaten for you, he took your penalty on the cross, the way he loved you, you need to love, no, you must love one another. Well, what if they mistreat me? Doesn't matter. You must love them. What if they've shown prejudices against me? Doesn't matter. You must love them. What if they treat me unfairly? You must love them. Number three, write this down. Even those who are caustic and even those who are complicit. Because not only are there people who are causing the problem, there are those who are standing on the sidelines just watching it. They're not involved, but by their non-involvement they are complicit to these sins you even got to love them you've even got to love them because jesus said in matthew chapter 5 verse 44 to love your what he said to love your what love your enemies francis chan wrote a book called crazy love that is crazy that we got to love our enemies yes Israel Houghton just recorded a song called Reckless Love. What does that mean? Well, it means that normally you would love someone, you know, that treats you good. It doesn't even make sense. doesn't even make sense to love someone that doesn't love you or to love someone who mistreats you. That's like you're being reckless with your love. Listen, you need to be thankful that God was reckless with his love because he loved a wretch like you and a wretch like me. Dr. King, ironically, America's greatest advocate for peace was murdered. And immediately, after all his sermons about peaceful protest, there was rioting and looting in 100 cities across the United States of America for 10 days. There were 58,000 Army and National Guardsmen were deployed. 43 people died. 27,000 people were arrested. Five days later, they had his funeral at Ebenezer Baptist Church. There were some 60,000 people who showed up in Atlanta. And at his funeral, while he's there in the casket, they played over the PA system one of his sermons. Imagine how riveting that must have been. And the sermon they played was a sermon called Drum Major Instinct. Drum Major is the guy that leads the band, the one that leads the parade. Called Drum Major Instinct. And what he's preaching about is that there's a natural instinct inside each of us to be first. There's a natural instinct within us to think that we're better than everybody else. There's a natural instinct, a drum major instinct for us to want to lead be the one that leads the parade and then he said these words in that sermon don't give it up what's he saying don't give up that instinct don't give it up to be first but he said i want you to be first in love i want you to be first in moral excellence i want you to be first in generosity 
Oh, I wish today in the United States of America we had one person who would rise and be the voice of moral excellence and love in this country the way Dr. Martin Luther King was, and we don't have one single person like that today. Number four, quickly, stand up for those who cannot. Stand up for those who cannot. Speak up for those who cannot. You say, where in the world did you get this? From the Bible. <laughs> Let me read it to you. Proverbs 31, verse 8, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all, say the word all, all. who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly and defend the rights of the poor and defend the rights of the needy. Christians, 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 we need to be bridge builders. We need to be uniters. We need to be the voice of reason, the calm in the midst of a storm. We who believe in Christ should bring people together. We need to defend the destitute. We need to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. We're the ones who need to judge fairly. I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever seen a rainbow, a real rainbow, a real rainbow? You ever seen one? Have you seen lots of them? Have you ever one single time ever looked up at a rainbow and said, well, look at that one little color. Oh, that's my favorite color. Look at it. It goes all, one one color goes all the way. I think it's yellow. Look, yeah, yeah, look at the yellow. Or do you go, wow, look at that rainbow. Which do you do? And don't you think that when God looks down he doesn't go, man, I like that one. Don't you think God says, man, I love the rainbow. Look at what I created. And I want you. Look at the row you're on right now. Look at it. It's a rainbow. It's a rainbow. My fifth point, write this down quickly. Be a reflection of heaven's community. Church should look just like heaven's going to look. And here's what the Bible, everybody say, the Bible. Bible. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude. There were so many people that no one could even count. And from every nation, and from every tribe, and from every people, and from every language, they were standing before the throne in front of the Lamb. That's what heaven's going to look like. I have a hashtag. I, wanna, I did this last night. I, I got a new Instagram page called This Is Heaven Now. And I want you to start taking photographs of the row, wherever you go out, Shepherd Church. Just, you can even do it. I don't even care if you do it now. You just take a picture of your row and you hashtag This Is Heaven Now. This Is Heaven Now. I really truly feel sorry for some of you because some of you go to an all-black church or an all-white, an all-Latino church, an all-Asian church, and you're going to get up to heaven, and you're going to start worshiping God, and you're going to go, well, who are all these other people here? Who let them in here? But not people at Shepherd Church. 
you're going to feel... You're going to feel like you're back at Shepherd Church when you're up there. I want you one more time to just take a look on who's on your road. This is Heaven Now. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.